but yeah, as soon as I get home from work, whatever projects I've got going, I'll just go sh straight into it. Um, and just try and get as much done as possible. But don't don't get me wrong, there's plenty of Netflix in between. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, producers? It's Sam Matler, and this is the EDM Podcast, a show where I interview producers, artists, engineers, and industry people. And in today's episode, episode 17, I talked to James Wood. Uh, James produces music under the alias Karanda, uh, super talented producer, and we get very technical in this episode, which I know a lot of you have been asking for. So we talk about a few things, including why he uses Bitwig, or why he made the switch uh, to Bitwig from Ableton, creating complex bass lines uh, like the electro-influenced trance bass lines that you'll hear quite often, creating glitch effects, and also morphing vocals into bass lines, uh, which is super cool. Before we get into the episode, just a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. James, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. Now, I mean, you're you're a listener of the show, um, which I have to thank you for because you've been quite supportive, uh, sending out <laughs> tweets and stuff like that. No, man, that's got to be done. It's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, now, for those listening who who don't know you that well, why not give us a little bit of background? Who are you, and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, well, my real name is James Wood and well, I've been producing music since I was at least, I don't know, six or seven years old. Um, like, uh, I think we had an old computer in like 95 and it had very basic, I think it was Cakewalk MIDI software on there. And obviously I was very young, didn't know what I was doing, mm. but that's kind of where it started. Um, and like my my older brothers were, they kind of knew a bit more what they were doing, so I'd kind of follow their lead, um, and that just sort of led that led me down the path from there. And then I'd somehow, I th I think again, one of my older brothers, I I discovered um, sort of trance music, like uh, very early trance music, and um, it just it just went from there. I mean, I. I eventually discovered music 2000 for the PlayStation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was great fun. And that led to me getting it for the PC. And then like a couple of years later, it's like, you know, EJ and then eventually Fruity Loops. So it started to get a bit more, you know, uh, ground up sort of proper producing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've had a sort of variety of names really, cause right back from the beginning, my, uh, my internet name was Wanderer. And then, I kind of got short to like Wandy and DJ Wand and all these like really <laughs> stupid names. Um, and 
Yeah, so I was a 1D for quite a while. Um, well, I say quite a while, like right up until 2008. Wow. Um, uh, and then eventually, it was around the same time, actually, I uh, I met uh, my friend Andy online, who was, he was kind of a DJ just doing random guest mixes. And uh, we just became good friends, and he was sort of the first proper DJ to support my tracks. Um, and... Um, well, actually, no, sorry, I met Andy a few years earlier than that. It was like 2004. Mm. But, um, yeah, we just became really good friends. But it wasn't until two, 2008 that we decided, you know, well, let's let's team up. You know, you're, you're a good DJ. I do the producing side of things. And let's just let's be a team. So that's that kind of led to us creating a project called Coranda, um, which is the, the name that I'm, I'm still with today. Um, yeah. Now, I'm curious. I was scrolling down your Facebook page and um, it seemed it seemed like you you almost quit at one point, like for a few months, a hiatus yeah. of sorts, and then came back. I mean, do you mind delving into that? What what was the reason for that? Sure. No, um, it was that. Well, basically, um, we we weren't getting as big as we wanted, as fast as we wanted, and really, Andy didn't really have he didn't have the time anymore. He's got two kids. You know, he's got a wife, full-time job. Um, and really, it was just like, he's not got the time. He can't keep balancing all these different things. So, you know, and I'm in a, a much more easy situation than him. I don't I don't have kids or anything like that. So, really, it came to it that he decided to, to hang up the boots, um, unfortunately. Um, and at that point, I thought, well, Karanda isn't Karanda without having Andy in it. Um, so I decided oh, I'm going to come up with a new name and I, I came up with the name Vital, which is like V-Y-T-L. And I, I had that for like a year, almost exactly one year. <laughs> and uh, I thought it's, it's an excuse to try out a few different styles as well, because I, I love listening to all sorts from uh, you know, Electro House. I mean, my main thing is progressive trance, but I, I love listening to, to anything really. And I thought I'd give that a try and see how it goes. But it just, I just thought, it's, it's going to take me so many years to build up a new foundation, a new fan base. And it, it just really wasn't worth it. And I was talking with Andy and he was like, yeah, just carry on the Karanda name if you really want to. I don't mind. It's not a problem. And I was talking with, um, I was just talking with some other people about it. Because another reason I really wanted to change the name was because I, I didn't really like the name Karanda anymore. I mean, we, we chose it on a whim originally. <laughs> Uh, I thought, you know, I need something a bit more marketable. Um, I think it's a good name. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, because of the fan base and I was talking with a few people about it and they were all just like, yeah, you should just just carry on with that name. You know, it makes sense to to not just throw all that away. Um, and uh, yeah, so I came back to the name and ditched Vital after <laughs> just, just under a year um, mm-hmm. and haven't really looked back since. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so not to go back too far, but you, you said you started producing when you were six or seven. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was, it was very basic MIDI software. Um, and at, at home we had, um, like, you know, cheap keyboards, little Casio things or Yamaha or something. <laughs> and I just used to just mash the keys. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything that I was doing. And even when it came to just playing around with the software, um, you know, I didn't know what a chord was. I didn't know anything. It was, 
I mean, from that perspective, it's complete creative freedom because I was just making yeah. sounds happen. Yeah, <laughs> um, with like absolutely no knowledge, and uh, I mean, I've got I've got no formal training background really. Um, everything is is self taught. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's music has been a part of my life for my whole life because I've been surrounded by a lot of different influences really. Um, so my brothers were into sort of rock stuff. Um, my dad was into older rock. My mom was into things like, you know, Bob Dylan and, uh, and then somehow I myself got into, uh, into trance. Um, and that, that's what stuck with me. But, uh, because of the variety of influences, I think, um, I've been keen on just having a variety of styles when I produce as well. Um, trying not to stay too focused on one thing which is uh, a good thing and a bad thing i mean it is good to be diverse but at the same time people don't always know what i'm gonna make next <laughs> and uh, it can be it can be tricky for people to sort of s to stick with you if, uh, if you're not consistent yeah i actually want to uh dive into that a little bit i mean you're i was listening through your soundcloud and each track is kind of different in a way like with some yeah. artists you can when they release a track you kind of know uh more or less what it's going to sound like mm -hmm. but i mean with your music there is a consistent style um but it's different i mean if you compare i think it's crank for example Your, your remix of charades. completely different tunes um <laughs> yeah i mean do you think that helps though do you think that kind of being diverse and experimenting with different styles helps you as a producer helps you improve i mean yeah it definitely has for me i mean because i like listening to all sorts of different things i i try to reference a lot of tracks and learn just learn making particular sounds and i think trying to learn different styles just you can't help but become a more you know comprehensive and able producer by having such a diverse range i think um i think you have to be open to to different styles if you really want to become a, a well-rounded producer yeah absolutely and, and i i tell this to everyone but they always not always <laughs> some people say yeah but then how do i market myself I mean, I know this isn't a production um, question, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't, it's, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I, I don't think you need to make one style. I, I think it's probably better to focus in on a particular style to market yourself, but you've got people mm -hmm. like Matt Zoe, um, I mean, yeah. even above and beyond, you know, yeah. what I think Tri-State, 
that's not a it's not a trance track it's like an you know a chilled out <laughs> piano piece yeah so definitely. i mean what do you think about that yeah i it is it does make marketing difficult um i think i think they all have some some consistencies i mean uh for instance with with me i mean it's gonna be kind of it's it'll always be progressive trance but you're never quite sure it's not necessarily going to be like a big room sound or it might be a bit more laid back. Like you're never quite sure what it's going to be. Um, so there are some consistencies and I think people know to expect um, a bit more substance from my tracks. Cause I like to put a, a lot of emotion in, even, even if I'm going for like a big club track, I mm. still try and get a lot of substance into it. Um, so there are some consistencies there and I, and I think other artists are the same way. I mean, with Matt Zoe, these days you know it's going to be creative you know it's going to be this yeah. crazy production you know it's going to be cool um and that's what i i think i mean matt zoe is you expect cool so you, yeah. you're going to listen to his stuff <laughs> you know and above and beyond you expect something kind of um deep and emotional um mm. and at the same time you know they can do like the big clubby things and i don't know um so that there are some consistencies there um even though they're all a little bit different and I wonder if that's something that comes uh, only with years of practice and developing kind of a, not not so much a signature sound, but a series of, you know, you've got all these influences coming in and yeah. you do certain things in a certain way. You pick certain samples, which means that kind of no matter what style you make, there are going yeah. to be some consistencies and some similar sounds you use. Like I know with Matt Zoe, um, mm -hmm. he's got kind of a, it's not really a signature pluck because it always sounds a little bit different, but you can tell when you hear yeah. it that it's Matt Zoe and even his composition style. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Same with someone like Artie, I think. I mean, he's kind of played around a bit with, with different genres, yeah, but yeah. you know, you can still, you, you recognize the chords. You, you would or the still recognize style. it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's I don't know what it is. Whether it's just particular, like like you said, it's particular sounds that the that draw those producers in. Like I will go for sounds that I find interesting, and I guess other people just pick up on that. Like, oh yeah, this you can tell it's a grander track. You know, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is that they can hear something that we don't necessarily notice we're doing ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now I want to switch gears for a little bit. I want to talk about your workflow. Uh, let's say you sit down to start a new track. How do you get from, well, first of all, how do you come up with the idea and how do you take that idea to a completed track? Sure. Um, ideas are, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's so many different ways that I will, well, I will come to it because sometimes I will just sit down and make a baseline. Um, cause I, I love <laughs> making baselines. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that's where I'll start. Sometimes it will be just like load up a piano, play some chords. Um, and I, f I find a good way to come up with melodies is actually humming and whistling. Um, so if, if maybe I write down some basic, like a basic chord sequence, then I could just play that over and over again and just like whistle or hum or something and record that. And then, you know, think, oh yeah, that was, that was a good idea. I'll, I'll use that and, you know, just see what, happens really because i find i find that inspiration isn't really uh 
I don't, I don't get hit with inspiration. I, yeah. I've learned that really I just have to sit down and start. And then yes. <laughs> it, <laughs> really, it is just one idea leads to another. It's as simple as that. So you just have to start, you know. Um, so, yeah, ideas into actual tracks. I mean, I, I think what I focus on when I'm playing with ideas is which which are the most catchy or what resonate with me what you know do i feel something from this uh, if i don't get rid of it and it's kind of this a b like i've got one idea i'll have another idea which one works better for me this one okay i'll go with that one and you just keep keep choosing better ideas and just keep whatever works for you i think just keep going that way and eventually as long as you just you just keep going keep loading your software and keep producing one idea leads to another and you know right down to to the yeah most advanced things whether it's eqing mixing everything is just one idea leading to another so mm. all you have to do is start that's a that's quite an interesting take um but isn't there kind of a risk to that i mean i know sometimes if i'm sound designing for example i'll mm-hmm. come up with a sound and it will be nice it'll be a good sound yeah and then i'll say you know i can improve on this and i don't uh <laughs> i overcomplicate <laughs> it or it gets too busy or, or muddy yeah. i mean does that ever happen with you i mean you've been you've been producing for must be two decades uh, so, yeah so maybe not. Get, getting on for it um it's um yeah it, it's definitely happened i mean i'm I am always learning. I don't think you ever stop learning because you're always refining your perspective of, of how you tackle things. Um, but yeah, in terms of like sounds like that, I think um, what I will try to do when I'm doing sound design is if I'm happy with the, with, with the sound, I'll think, can I imagine this in a track? And if I, you know, would it sound a bit bare? Would it not sound like full enough you know is it going to have to depend on other sounds to make to make it work and if it has to depend on other sounds to sound cool to to sound full i think it it still needs work so i will try to get it to a point where i i feel like okay this is cool that i can imagine this in a track now this is good enough and then i'll move on to the next sound you know yeah no for sure Uh, i i like how you mentioned like a b comparison yeah. because um two reasons i like that i mean first i come from a, a marketing background so it's like yeah uh, let's use a b in, in music production and then <laughs> and the second is um i mean i do it myself i i think you know for example you've got a drum loop you're trying to put in a bass line uh you put in one i don't know like i, I use a lot of presets and i'm definitely not ashamed of it um, no, no, yeah. And so I'll I'll scroll through presets. I'll come across one that, you know, sounds okay. And then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll put that there. I'll mute it and then duplicate the channel and scroll mm-hmm. through a few more. And if I come across yep. one that's better, then I'll use that. And I think that's a good way gotcha. to do it instead of just... Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Yeah, because it means you can, you can always go back instead of having to, you know, command Z. Yeah. And <laughs> no, definitely. I think that that, that is a good way because then it's process of elimination. You can listen to each one and mm. figure which one sounds better. Um, yeah. So I think that first impressions are important as well. If if you if you can switch off for a while and then come back to it later with sort of fresh ears, 
then you can even more easily decide, oh, this sound is definitely better. If, if something's too fresh in your memory, it can be uh, uh, deceiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Talking about fresh ears, what, like, how does your production routine, I suppose, look like? I mean, do you produce for a few hours and take a break? Is there, is there anything structured or is it just you play it by it's, ear? Um, I do play it by ear mostly. I mean, I, I try to get at least three or four hours in every evening, I guess. Because mm. um, uh, I still work full time, which which sucks. Hopefully not forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon as I get home from work, whatever projects I've got going, I'll just go sh- straight into it um, and just try and get as much done as possible. But don't don't get me wrong. There's plenty of Netflix in between. um you know i will uh, i'll admit to that there's plenty of times where i probably should be producing but i'll uh, convince myself i'm not in the mood which goes against everything i said about just getting started (laughs) but you know yeah totally guilty of it Uh, i know better but i'm still uh still guilty (laughs) i mean three three to four hours a night after working full-time that's pretty full-on um yeah did it, I mean, have you always done that? Did you have to kind of build up to that stage? Because I know that some people, um, mm-hmm. a few ED, EDM producers have said, I, I just find it so hard to come home from work and think I need to make music <laughs> instead of watch Netflix, for example. <laughs> yeah. Just brain dead. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I don't find it hard because like... I don't, I don't know, it, because I totally live and breathe like trance music and yeah, producing, yeah. like because it's, I've done it since I was so young and it's always, I've always wanted a career in music. It's not, it's not a chore. Um, it's just, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm having to use brain power either. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of, just, just get on with it and see what, see what happens. Um, Cause like I said, one idea leads to another, which doesn't feel like using much brain power. It's no, like, oh, yeah. well, that's cool. that and makes then, a yeah. lot of sense. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've built up to it a little bit because I, I mean, I used to be part time, and a few years ago, if you look like back at the discography, I, I had many more releases in like I don't know, twenty twelve, thirteen, um, and I even recently I was thinking, damn, how did I release so many more tracks in? And it's like, ah, it's because I went full time. Mm, <laughs> that's mm. what it is, and. Because of that, I've been forced to find the, as many ways as possible to Im- improve my workflow and efficiency to to try and maximize my output because I don't have as much time to, to do it anymore. So do you have any examples of, you know, maximizing that workflow? Was there any kind of um, practical thing you did to speed it up? Um, well, most recently, I guess... Um, like the the last year or or so, I switched to Bitwig. Um, I, I I I used Ableton before that. Um, I've used I was FL Studio, then Ableton, and now and now Bitwig. Um, and initially, I made the switch to Bitwig because I I know that live Ableton Live doesn't get updated hardly at all anymore. <laughs> Why is that? It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, nine point five just came out. Is there is there any big differences yeah, <laughs> it's usually yeah like, quite a few <laughs> oh okay okay it's usually such like minor updates and yeah for, for a long time and i was like that's something's wrong here uh, i looked into it and it's because a lot of ableton's best programmers left i don't know why for whatever reason and 
went and made Bitwig. So there's there's a lot of similarities um, to Ableton with Bitwig, except that um, I think they've just really focused on workflow and it's been constantly updated. And um, and because it was so focused on like workflow, I thought, wow, this is great. I can you can so easily just organize things. Um, you can organize all of your plugins. Like I use Universal Audio plugins, um, and when you've got those installed, it's annoying because I actually install all of the demos as well oh, and no. can't necessarily, like you're looking through which ones you've actually got activated and it's like it's a long list. So with Bitwig, you can just create like a, a smart filter and I've just called it like authorized plugins for Universal Audio. I just put all of the ones that I've got activated in this in this little folder. So you can browse through all these folders. I've got one for Universal, Waves, and like anything else that I've actually bought. Um, it just makes it really easy for organizing. I mean, you can do the same thing with samples um, and presets as well. So if I've worked forever on like a lead sound or these pad sounds, whatever, I can save the chain, um, which don't get me wrong, you could do in, in Ableton, but um, it's just everything is very workflow or in, orientated in Bitwig. And that's really helped me, me get around it. And, and I am partial to aesthetics, I must admit. So mm, mm. Um, it kind of just looks nicer to me as well. Is there anything that you think could be improved? I mean, it's, it's quite a recent uh, DAW. So I'm sure there's something. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there's only little things. There's, there's two things I'm missing from Ableton. One is the stretching algorithms for like warping, warping tracks. I think Ableton's is still a little better than Bitwig's. But, you know, not not majorly. Um, and the other thing is just crossfading clips. So you can't do that in Bitwig yet, which was major for me, actually, in uh, Ableton. I used to do that a lot, um, especially when crafting bass lines, because um, like, I would render things down to stems and like crossfade these different effects in and out. And um, so I can't actually do that. And I've had kind of had to re rework the way I do certain things. Um, but from what I'm told, it is it is coming. Um, uh, I was put on the beta list for uh, Bitwig a while back, and I'm hoping uh, that they're going to bring some more big updates soon. Awesome! Uh, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned bass lines, and uh, I think it's a track Phoenix. The bass line uh, yeah. of that is phenomenal. It's just, it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, Thank you. But I mean, I know a lot of people. I've had a few people ask me, um, "How do you make these complex uh, trance, well, trance two point for lack of a better term?" Yeah, yeah. Baselines, and I mean, I I can make them, but it takes me forever. <laughs> How do you uh -huh. go about making a baseline like that? Is it just a matter of experimentation, or do you have a, a particular method that you follow? Um. Bit of both, but I suppose it's more method, um, which I'm sure people will be glad to know. <laughs> um, it's it's a variety, really, because I do like to chop up like WAV files. There's, there's this um, a sample pack by a, a friend of mine called Toby Emerson. He he runs this company called Black Octopus Sound, and yeah, yeah. Uh, they, there's this particular pack. I think it was called Electro 
uh, electro bass sounds or something like that. And it's just like a, a collection of long bass line notes, just individual notes, just these long waves mm. uh, with all these different cool like uh, sounds and effects on them that he's processed and in all different keys. And you can just, I just stick a bunch of those on and start chopping up these different sounding bass lines into patterns. Um, and then on top of that, I'll add like uh, synths and VSTs. So quite often I will have uh, like a big so uh, super saw that I will sort of filter up and down with these quick sort of stabbing patterns. Mm. Um, and usually like I'll, I'll have a reverb on it, but then I'll render that down to a stem so that I can just cut the tail where I want to. Um, and, uh, that's sort of, that's the, the basis of it. But then I kind of go into these, uh, granular sounds as well. Cause I, I love granular effects. Um, and for, for a while I was, for, for those, I was using something called atomic cloud. Um, uh, it was, it wasn't until last year I was using windows and I've made the switch to Mac, which, uh, atomic cloud is not available on. Okay. Um, but what it was, was it's like a standalone software where you could load a, a, a WAV and just it would granulize it and you could like speed it up, speed it down and it would add like a, this high LFO sort of uh, tremolo effect to it that you could, you could just speed up the rate. Um, that was kind of cool. I, I would render a bit of baseline and just chuck it into Atomic Cloud and then as I'm playing around with this this like granulated tremolo rate effect thing. <laughs> I would like record it live into which was Ableton at the time. Mm. And then I've just got like this long wav of me messing around with these granular effects. And then I would just chop out the bits that sounded cool and then use those as fills. Um, but you know, since switching to, to the Mac, I've, I've discovered a couple of cool granular um, effects softwares. One's called the Mangle, which okay. is fairly new. Um, and that's just, that's really, really cool. You can add LFOs to sort of the panning for the granular, um, artifacts, um, and all these different cool effects. But, um, I found I'm not using that as much as I was. And I've gone for an even easier option now, which is, uh, an effect, um, called frostbite by, I think it's audio damage. Okay. And that's kind of similar granular effects. Um, and again, it's just kind of, I just play around with the rate of the, this sort of tremolo effect. So it's speeding up and down. Um, and then just record it live and chop up the, the recording and use it in the baseline pattern where, wherever it sounds cool. Um, which it, I guess is a bit of a long winded answer, but it's. No, um, that's, that's super it, interesting. Yeah. I just, I just love the way granular effects sound, especially on baselines. It just adds this yeah. kind of. It's almost like a Transformers sound, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I ever since you know, the first Transformers film com came out, I was like, "Wow, that's, that sounds cool." I got I got to find a way to kind of do that. Um, it's 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 enough to not sound like Transformers, but still sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm curious, and this is kind of a self-interested question because it is literally one of my favorite tracks of all time, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast, but um. <laughs> Your, your remix of charades. Yeah. You yeah. have these kind of glitchy effects scattered throughout the song and the breakdown, like before the, uh, the chorus.
how did you create those? Was that Atomic Cloud or something else? That, um, trying to think back now. That, yeah, that, that probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, and thank you. I'm really glad you like it. But um, it's that was probably Atomic Cloud. But I, uh, I'm trying to think how old it was, whether it was before, you know, Isotope Stutter Edit. I don't know if it was before that. Uh, um, if it wasn't Stutter Edit, it might have been the Glitch VST um, or just Atomic Cloud. I, most likely it was Atomic Cloud, to be honest. Um, I, I definitely did use that back then because um, I was doing a lot of stuff for Enhanced at the time. And I, was, I, was, I definitely was doing that a lot. Um, yeah, I would... I would take a guess at that being Atomic Cloud. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. And and you said Atomic Cloud is only available on Windows? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. But if, <laughs> I don't know, it's cool because, like say, you can just use... I, I just use Audio Damage Frostbite now um, Frostbite, for very, cool. very similar sort of effects. And then literally just play with it live and record, record you playing with it live and then just chop mm. up the bits that sound cool. What made you uh, switch from Windows to Mac? Um, bit of a Mac fanboy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, everybody said it's better for creative, uh, creative purposes. Um, and I have found it to be better, but one of the, uh, key things for me is I, I find that there's a lot more software for like audio, audio related things that are available for Mac. For instance, um, I really wanted to get into morphing sounds cause for the longest time, I just had this idea in my head of uh, like bass lines moving, uh, morphing into vocals or vocals morphing into weird sounds. And just all like during like, a build to a drop, you could have this looping vocal that just morphs. And I just anything just and you would listen to it and think, wow, that's cool. Like, how did how did that happen? And really, I've only just started getting into this properly now, but I've had these ideas for such a long time. And the there was only like two two ways that I could see to do it, and one was using um, is Zynaptic Morph VST, um, which is great. And I actually took the plunge and I I bought it. I got an iLock key and everything, and just uh, I went all out on it. And I I love it. It's great. But that was like the easiest way to do it that I could see. The other way was this. Um, this I think it's pretty expensive software called Kyma, which is um, like K uh, Y M A, and it's mm-hmm. it's known for sound design more, I guess, for like mo- uh, movie production. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure BT would use it because you know he's <laughs> yeah. that kind of te- technically uh, advanced guy. Um, and Kyma is it's it wouldn't be real time morphing like Zynaptic uh, Morph is, but there, there are these examples on Kaima's website of like, uh, I don't know if it was like a cat morphing into a dog or a dog morphing into a baby or something. And the quality of it is just ridiculous. Like, wow, it is genuinely just morphing into this other sound. Um, and Zynaptic Morph is as good as it's going to get. It's not quite as good as Kaima, but it's good enough. Um, but mm. to, to get back on topic, it, I, that's another reason I moved back, uh, moved over to Mac was because I really wanted to to just get into these softwares that seem to only be available for for Mac. Although having having said that, I do think the the new more the new version of Morph uh, Zynaptic is available on both platforms now. Because mm-hmm. um, I think Zynaptic bought ProSonic 
Um, okay. And they, they were the company who originally made Morph. Um, and at that time, it was only available for Windows. Um, hmm. But generally, I've just always wanted to move over to Mac and uh, def- definitely don't regret it. Uh, I have to say this, this whole morphing thing sounds super interesting, but <laughs> I have no idea how it works. I mean, I, I saw a video on your Facebook page where you morphed like a vocal into a bass line. Yeah, yeah. How, that was... how does that even happen? <laughs> yeah, I was I was experimenting with with these ideas. Like I said, I've always wanted to do it, and as soon as I got a hold of Pro, uh, a Synaptics Morph, I was just playing around with all these sounds. And essentially, you will uh, you set in the, in the VST for Morph, you will set like a source A and a source B. Um, so while you've got like a one wave sound on one track, and and you'll have another wave sound on another track. So you just sort of crossfade between these sources. Um, there's different algorithms you can choose from for different sounding morphs. Um, so you can get it sounding like just how, just how you want it. And you can control performance. Um, there's, there's so many different controls on it. It's great. Um, and I was just really, <laughs> I was having such a blast playing around with that. It's like, finally, I can do these. I can start coming up with these ideas I've just had in my head for, for so long. Because you I don't. I don't think you hear people morphing sounds in tracks. I, no, no. Because I don't know. You, you'll hear all sorts of cool effects, glitching effects, stutter effects, but I've never heard people morphing vocals into bass lines. So I thought I'd uh, <laughs> give it a shot, and that's definitely something that you can expect to hear um, coming up. I think. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I mean, the extent of morphing I've heard is only only on like a synthesis level where you yeah. turn like a pluck into a completely different sound, like a lead sure, animation. Sure. But I mean, that's not super hard to do. It's just time consuming. But yeah, a vocal yeah. into a bass line is next level. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so cool. It's great fun. I, I can't even begin to imagine the algorithms behind it because they have yeah. to take into account the formants and just, I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> It's black magic, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, I mean, this plugin, I'm assuming it's quite expensive. How much How much does it cost? Uh, I think it was like 180 pounds, okay. British pounds. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on top of that, you'll need an iLock key, a USB key as well. Um, but it's, you know, if it's something that you're interested in and, and want to do, I definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, uh, very glad I got it. <laughs> I wonder if they still have uh, Cyber Monday sales. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some companies are doing like Black Friday Fortnite. It's like, really? Yeah, they're going for it for so long. <laughs> Cyber <laughs> Monday for seven days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cyber Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn native instruments and waves, man. They, oh, they waves. This past week, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Universal Audio too had a lot of uh, oh yeah good deals yeah 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 it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> very dangerous to to have a credit card <laughs> yes yeah exactly <laughs> um, do you have any routines habits or or tricks that help you stay creative and overcome creative blocks um 
it's tricky. Sometimes I have had creative blocks before, but I feel like I'm getting past past that just generally as a, as I get better. I I guess just mm. it, it's difficult because the the more I improve my workflow and try to make things more efficient, um, even right down to just saving the chains of my favorite sounds that I've worked on and just whatever it is that's improving my time efficiency gets me past creative blocks because I can very quickly load a good quality sound and start playing around with it. Mm. And when, when you've got a good quality sound, I, th- I feel like I'm just automatically inspired. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. Cause you know, sometimes you'll hear just a, like a texture sample or, or any, any sample that inspires you. You think, Oh yeah, that could be like the start of a track or I could, I could take that one bit, chop it, loop it. Like you, you will hear something sometimes and just instantly think, yeah, I could use that. And when you've got something that inspires you like that, I, I think that just gets you past creative blocks. So having access to good quality sounds um, and saving sounds that you've worked on for weeks or months, um, saving those sounds is going to help you get past creative blocks, I think. So having access to good quality sounds, that's definitely been been key um, in just, just getting past things. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's only been in the past year that I've kind of saved chains. I mean, yeah, I, I always make chains, but I forget to uh, to <laughs> save them and put and stick them in the Ableton folder. But there's totally, nothing yeah. better than you know you're you're coming up with a melody and mm. you're like, actually, this sound would work well, and you've made this yeah. full instrument rack. It's EQ'd, it's compressed, it's just it's good to go yeah. straight out of the box, and Perfect. it just speeds things up. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think with, with you having produced so long is I'm not sure if you've read a book called Mastery by by Robert Green. No, but I feel like have you mentioned that on a previous episode? I mention it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would be why. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I have not actually read it. No, he talks about um, <laughs> you know in, in a creative field mm-hmm. where you get to a point normally around about ten years. Yeah. Um, where you're not you don't really need to think about what you're doing it's second nature and you i forgot how he explains it but he kind of calls it deep experimentation like you've got the fundamentals so nailed down that you can just experiment you can speed things up in terms of efficiency and workflow Mm -hmm. and i wonder if, if you've i mean it sounds like you've passed that stage and that's probably why you don't encounter much creative block. Yeah, I, I would completely agree um, with with what he said. Um, I, I feel like I have spent a lot of time trying to get the fundamentals down. Um, but to be honest, that's only in the past maybe three years um, that I've really... Because it, it comes down to, to perspective as well, because you can be producing for a long time and not just not have the right perspective. You, you're you're gen- generally getting better, but not necessarily have realized, hang on, I need to, if I, if I know the fundamentals inside and out properly, then everything else is going to be better. Um, like that's why I feel like people should, they should know the history of, of the music they're making as well. Like for me, it was, you got to learn about, you know, the old Roland 808s and the 909 drum machines and, uh, all the, for, for trance specifically learn about the, 
the old super saws and everything that the original, you know, all your original inspirations and the pioneers, everything they used to use, you should find out how they made those sounds and just get right, you know, because they've been there since the early days. And to me, that makes anything they did is kind of fundamental to to what we do now, um, especially, well, in, in that scene. Um, so, yeah, I think once you've got the fundamentals down and you, you make an effort to, to really learn them, um, then you can get into that deep experimentation uh, state of mind, I guess. Because, yeah, it, once you've got it down, you you know how to make a sub a sub bass line. You know how to make a a plucky sound. You know how to make a pad. You don't need to 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 learn anything more about that. You can just kind of go and do it, experiment. So you've got something that sounds cool. Um, but when you're really trying to be extra creative, then yeah, you can just go into that mode of deep experimentation where you you know what you've not explored and you can just, just keep playing around until something cool happens. Um, I do think that's the best way to to learn and come up with things. Is It is just experimentation, which everybody says that, but it is true. But it, also that ties in with one idea leads to another. It's It, it all comes back to that, really. It's, it's all related. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh Okay, I've got one more question before we jump into these these quick fire questions. Sure. If you had to start again at square one, what would you do differently? Hmm. Difficult because I started so young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking <laughs> um, that. <laughs> but um, let's say um, if I started right now, and uh, what I would suggest to people is invest in yourself. So I've. I've gotten myself into debt. I've got myself out of debt. I've got myself into debt again. Buy, buy equipment. Do, do your research. Do a hell of a lot of research, but buy equipment. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we've all had uh, the dodgy, a, a dodgy bit of software in our time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> these companies wouldn't be around if we didn't start that way. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the thing is, if you start getting good and you start making money, then go ahead and buy them. I mean, it's good yeah. to get good up. You, you get the updates anyway. Um, and it, it just feels better. I mean, you use feels them better. more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, invest in yourself. Get good good quality monitors. I mean, for, for the longest time, I produced only on headphones, mm. um, which were uh, AKG K702s, which I've still got. Um, and for the longest time, I only produced on those. Um and then I'm, I did a lot of research into monitors. I, the first pair I had were uh, M-Audio BX5A, and they were okay to begin with. They're like 130 pounds or something. Uh, very basic. Um, and I saw everybody's got these sort of KRK monitors, and um, which, which are, are fine, I, I guess. And plenty of good music is coming out from them. But I really, I'm very um, particular about having the most accurate reference sound and i was talking uh to a guy called triphonic who he does a lot of stuff with oh, uh, he's he's incredible yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah um and i was asking him like what what do you use and he says i use focals focal monitors um so i started researching those and i i invested in a pair of focal solo 6be monitors and I, I haven't looked back since. I mean, I I rarely touch my headphones now. I only produce on these. Um, 
And I think it's very important to, to invest in good monitors and just to invest. You're, you're also investing in your ears that way because you're training your ears to that they are hearing a, an accurate reference. So um, it's important to train your ears with good quality sound. Um, if you're producing with crappy speakers or crappy headphones, then you're not you're not doing yourself any favors. Your your ears are not learning the yeah. the right way, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I would, I if I had to start again, I would straight away I would invest in good quality monitors. Um, that's that would be like my go to thing, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point, and and even um, like acoustic treatment as well. <laughs> I think. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, because I have monitors. They don't actually fit. I just moved into a new place. And they're too big because mm-hmm. they're oh, no. they're eight inch three quarters, which is just yeah, um, it's yeah <laughs> too big. But um, <laughs> I remember I I never had acoustic treatment, and I used monitors, and they were good. Like you, you know, you always flick back and forth between headphones to reference and yeah. so on, and you can get a decent mix. But I went into a uh, I actually interviewed him, I think it was episode eight, Nick, Nicholas DiLorenzo. Mm-hmm. He's a mastering engineer, went into his studio and listened to one of my tracks and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, the high end is so overpowering. <laughs> oh man. Um, so it's just <laughs> stuff like that where you'll never know unless you, you've actually invested yeah. in a good system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um Again, that's where I'll, I guess ABing comes into it as well because mm. I I think it's very important to have reference tracks. Um, you know, I think everybody will will say that I guess, but but if you've got your favorite producers, then uh, AB with their tracks uh, against yours and see if the high end's too too high um, or the bass is not not powerful enough or the mids whatever it is, um, or just basically comparing levels. So try and get the kick the same level as they've got it in their track, and then. You can work everything else around that. Um, it, very, very important to reference sounds. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend that enough. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I've always been a strong advocate of that. But I was listening to a there's another podcast called the UBK uh, Happy Fun Time Hour. Super <laughs> okay, good podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting name. But these guys are audio engineers, top of their game, right. um, and. One of them was saying he doesn't he doesn't really like the idea. I mean, if you're trying to sound like someone else mm-hmm. and get a mix, he was referring to a mix specifically. Yeah. Uh, like someone else, then sure, use reference tracks. But if you're trying to make something original, why yeah. would you use that? Um, I don't I don't particularly agree. I mean, I I think it's good, but I found that interesting. I mean, yeah, um, it's the first time I I've guess... heard someone not advocate for it. Actually. <laughs> yeah. That is a strange. I I wouldn't agree with it because I think is you can be original, but I think that's where you should start. Yeah, at least yeah. you know you should at least start there. So if if there's a track that you think is better than yours, then uh, aspire to be as, as good as that and and work until something until it sounds you know pretty close. Um, and if you want to be creative, you can take it another direction. But um, I think you should always aspire to to be better and if if somebody inspires you then you know go ahead and copy them <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh okay cool let's jump into these these quick fire questions do you have any books or resources that have helped you become a better producer uh 
people. <laughs> nice. Explain. Um, yeah. So, I mean, ever since like the early days, I mean, right back to 2004, there was a, a forum called trance.nu, yeah. which uh, I think Airbase, um, who I've became good friends with, which uh, was, was crazy because I was always such a huge fan of, fan of his. But he he helped to run this this website, and there were these forums on there, and there's always people talking about production and uh, and also the trans addict forums back in the day, a long time ago. Um, which they may they may still be around now. I'm not sure, but just talking to other people about ideas, and you know, you could post something you're working on and get feedback, and just making friends and talking with people, and then over the years growing with these people they, are, they get better you get better and watching each other just become uh, more prominent in the scene and continuing to learn off each other um i think uh, it's definitely key yeah absolutely i think that's an underrated answer as well people i mean it all yeah. comes down to people yeah yeah although i i must admit well this is youtube as well obviously yes. <laughs> um, youtube but, is great but <laughs> people make the videos so uh there we go. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it all comes down to people. Although one one specific, I must admit, there's a, w- a website called therecordingrevolution.com. Uh, yeah, Graham's website, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I mean, he posted something a while back about the channel strip principle. Um, okay. I don't know if, if you're familiar with that, but it was basically, because um, a lot of people will just keep adding tons and tons of plugins to their to a channel trying to make it better and just they keep adding more and more thinking it's going to be better and they're just making it worse um and just making it like muddy or just yeah. just losing clarity and the channel strip principle is essentially you've got a channel strip which in itself has got uh, an expander compressor gator in eq um it's got everything you need like to 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 make a basic mix mm. so um like with Universal Audio, I quite often I'll use a, a Neve or a, an SSL channel strip. It's the first thing is uh, that I'll stick on a channel, and then I will just tweak the EQ on those, um, the gain on those, the compression, whatever it is, until it sounds like I've got a decent sound. A decent sound, um, and quite often that's all you need to begin with. Is there's no need to add like two or three different EQs for slightly different purposes. Yeah. Usually. Usually all you need is a channel strip to begin with. And then and then once you've got that sounding pretty cool, then you can add other effects like, you know, delays, reverbs or, or whatever it is. Um, but quite often, just go for the channel strip principle. So just add a channel strip and then make it sound as good as you can before adding anything else. I like that. I'm going to link that up in the, uh, in the show notes. And I think sure, I'll get him on the podcast. Uh, yeah. I would love that because I've definitely learned a lot from reading reading on his website. Yeah, super good website. That's therecordingrevolution.com. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Uh, cool. What three pieces of advice would you give to upcoming producers? <clears throat> um, I guess similar things to what I've said, like in, invest in yourself. Yep. Um, so if you genuinely know this is what you want to do, this is what you love. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to see those people on the dance floor dancing to your tracks. You want to unite people, bring them together. You want to give something to the world, leave something behind. If, if you really want to make music and you, you know that with all your heart, then just go for it. I mean, you gotta do what you love and don't stop. I mean, there will be plenty of setbacks, plenty of times where you think you're not good enough. 
Um, but, and, and there will always be somebody better, you know, that's the, the, is there will always be somebody better, but just don't stop. If you really genuinely know it's what you love, then you got to keep doing it and invest in yourself. Um, I mean, don't get yourself into crazy debt if you can't, (laughs) you really can't afford it, whatever, but, um, work up to it. Just little by little, just keep making, make every choice relevant to where you want to be in life Mm. essentially so um i mean for me that was i i didn't bother going to university like i I went to i went to college here in the uk and then Mm. i knew i've always wanted to do music and from that point i just i don't need to go to university i i'm just gonna do what i want to do and i i knew that generally bottom of my heart and uh, it's a long time ago now and uh, nothing's changed so if you Mm. genuinely know just focus all of your energy and time, uh, whatever you can into, into achieving what you want and just make every choice relevant to where you want to be. So, um, yeah, do what you love and don't stop. Um, and talk to people, make friends, you know, um, the, the people you get to know now may become huge artists in a few years and then, you know, they'll, they'll, they become people that you can continue to learn off. Uh, it's, uh, they become value, valuable sort resources in themselves really good advice uh if you could collaborate with one person who would it be oh man one person <laughs> two I'll, I'll give you two uh, <laughs> mm, I, uh, only because you be... listen to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yay my my go-to in my head is bt because yeah. he's always just been one like the the one of the best producers around uh, in my head um obviously like the pioneer of like the stutter and glitch effects. Um, yeah, just absolute top quality producer. So he's definitely my number one. Um, there's, I mean, obviously there's tons I'd love to work with. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of vocalists I'd like to work with. Um, I mean, I think Aruna is great. I love Aruna. Um, good friends with her. So that could actually happen. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough because there are so many talents out there right now. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I'd like to, to work with people who do something maybe slightly different to what I do because it, it, it's cool to work with people who are in the same scene as you, but um, you don't necessarily learn much from each other. Or, mm. or I think as well, collaborating with somebody who's in a slightly different scene also expands your, your market as well. You know, um, people yeah. get to know your name through them. Um, so yeah, I think I would try and find, I would, I'd like to aim for people who, who are into slightly different things. And <laughs> I would say triphonic, but it's kind of the same as BT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? no, that's, um, that's fair enough. It's a hard question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, any last words for the listeners? Um, just keep doing what you're doing. Like I said, if you love it, do it and keep learning and uh never stop asking questions that's mm. i mean that works for life as well <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, uh, never stop asking questions and keep learning there, there'll be a lot of times that you think you've kind of you'll get cocky and yes. you'll think that you know <laughs> that you know everything and you know yeah i'm, I'm good enough now you know i just got to keep doing what i'm doing but no, there's plenty of times you'll be knocked on your ass and you realize, no, I, I don't know everything. And <laughs> yeah. 
you got to realize in those moments so that's a good thing yeah there's more to learn and you can keep getting better and that should be exciting you know i've always found that you know the more the more i learn the more i realize how much there is to learn you know <laughs> yeah. e- even after uh even people like hans zimmer and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I, I was watching an interview with him and he was talking about how he'd been learning some new thing. And I'm like, dude, you're Hans Zimmer. Like, <laughs> I know, on. it's crazy. Oh man, the picture, if nobody has seen photos of Hans Zimmer's studio, go and oh, look it up. Yes, yes. Absolutely crazy, ridiculous. It's, it's, if you thought Dead Mouse's studio was crazy, you need to go see Hans Zimmer, man. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's insane. I've always looked up to Hans Zimmer. I mean, I, I did a remix for Inception a few years ago. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to mention that, actually. Um, time. Yeah, yeah, Time. Um, oh, man. Which, isn't that, that was quite a few years ago now, but it was one of my most popular remixes. Um, yeah, it's got a couple of million views. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? Pretty it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks heaps for coming on, James. Uh, it's been a fantastic discussion, and... Before we go, where can people find you online? Uh, best place is, I guess, soundcloud.com slash Karanda Music. Um, it's got all the links to all of my social medias, but whatever social media it is, just put slash Karanda Music because it's the same on everything. So Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, they're all the same. 